0: back to episode two of the Away Days podcast. I'm Nate, live from the Panic Room. If we had a live stream going, you'd see my uh, my various shirts and other um, apparel items hanging behind me as I'm doing this podcast from my closet, because that's the only place um, in my apartment where the acoustics are good enough. Lathe from Grandparents Attic again in week two, correct? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I'm all set up, ready to go. <laughs> Uh, hopefully the crickets or whatever it was I was making all that noise last time have uh, mm. chilled out here in week two. Although doing this um, recording much earlier in the evening um, than our last one, we are about seven o'clock here on the East Coast ahead of Monday night football, big Raiders Ravens matchup out in Las Vegas lay. Um, but we'll get to plenty of that um, here in a little bit. But first and foremost, first time, well, second episode of the podcast, but first time actually recording it on Monday, as we hope to do, um, going so into the future. So how was your weekend?
1: It was good. Uh, (laughs) Funny story. I actually, so I went back and looked up uh, the podcast just to listen to see how the quality was going. And once I listened to the whole thing, I didn't realize that another one of the podcasts that I listened to, like weekly, started playing. And it started off with an ad. But the way it timed made it seem like it was coming right after ours, so I was kind of shook. And I was like, man, we must have really killed that first episode to be gaining that sponsor so quickly. But, uh, Uh, (laughs) yeah, no. Yeah, no, Um, I was sadly mistaken. We are, I
0: believe, just as of now, um, as of today, on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify, and I went through the Spotify uh, analytics, if you can even call it that, because there wasn't a lot there, but we did have, as I texted you earlier in the week, one listener all the way from India, so shout out <laughs> to to our guy, um, wherever, wherever he may be. I have honestly no idea how he found the podcast, or how anyone at this point, but... You know, I've created a new link that hopefully, you know, once we get a bit of a social media presence built up, a, a good link that'll host all of our uh, our podcast listening platforms for you guys to to find us more easily. But um, I'll save my take on my weekend a little bit. Thanks for asking, by the way, selfish bastard. But, uh, <laughs> it's uh I'll save my take on that since I was in Athens for the University of Georgia football game this weekend. But I want to kick things off again real quick with soccer this time around. I know we started with soccer last week too, and um, I think we're going to keep that pretty fluid week by week, just kind of whichever is the bigger storylines, or whichever thing we really want to get to first um, in terms of football or soccer. But uh, I want to kind of pick up where we left off with the US Men's National Team really fast Lath. So as we recorded last Tuesday, that was basically an hour before the U.S. MNTs. Match day three of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying really needed a big win. And boy, did they get one after trailing in the first half to Honduras. Um, the boys in the red, white, and blue got grabbed. to come from behind when I think it was 4-1 um, and are now tied for second with Canada and Panama um, in the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying group um, at five points. And I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast correctly last time, but top three teams advance automatically to the World Cup. Um, with the fourth team entering into, I think, some sort of playoff round, which I'm not really sure um, how that works. Now, Lay, Le- assuming you probably didn't watch it, but you know, as a U.S. men's national team fan and someone who wants to see this team make the World Cup and succeed, how are we feeling um, after after three games into it?
1: I'm feeling a lot better, especially after this win. It, you know, there was some early struggles at first. But we saw the young guys score, and I think we really took care of business afterwards. So I'm kind of sticking to my uh, analysis from the last pod. I think it's just going to take a while to get these guys back going, this being kind of the first international break that they've had in a while. But I think we're where we need to be, and I think we're going to continue to improve going forwards.
0: Yeah, solid performance given the amount of guys not playing, again, for the United States during this international window. um, We mentioned Weston McKinney being sent home for breaking the COVID bubble. Still kind of unclear exactly. Well, it's not unclear. People know. Like Landon Donovan appeared on a podcast last week talking about saying, oh, I know exactly what he did, but I'm going to keep that to myself. You know, I'm sure TMZ will find it out at some point, and that news will will get around. But anyway, broke the COVID bubble, so not available. Um, Christian Pulisic, for whatever reason, not available with the team either. Went back to Chelsea early, um, so a lot of new faces uh, for the USMNT getting it done, um, which is which is good to see. You know, I think we were we weren't quite hitting the panic button just yet after two matches, but I think a third draw or a third or, or another loss would have would have really put them behind the eight ball um, in the qualifying group. But uh, so that was last Tuesday. Um, obviously, a long long week of 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 soccer. Um, after that, the return to club football this weekend. Um, probably the biggest news of the week, I guess, lay big debut for Cristiano Ronaldo back back at Old Trafford for the first time since. I mean, because his United days kind of predate our soccer fandom. Yeah. So like,
1: what was that, like 2008? Was that when he was there? I, I saw a post that said 12 years ago. So whatever the math is on that, I, I think you're right. It's probably 2008. So yeah, about
0: 2009-ish, somewhere yeah. in there. But anyway, big debut, grabs a brace and a 4-1 win over Newcastle. Dude, you know, I hate, I almost don't even hate to admit it anymore cuz I got to find somebody to enjoy watching since Arsenal and doing it for me. But man, Manchester United looks good. And adding Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo certainly uh certainly doesn't hurt their prospects.
1: Oh yeah, bringing him in, he's a guy who's in his later years. He's kind of developed into more of a target man whereas he was uh, known for his wing play early on now he's going to be that kind of central striker role for United and that was exactly what they were missing so seeing him come in and instantly bag two goals if you're a United fan you got to be really excited to see that yeah
0: so I think he had what I saw the first goal um because again I was in Athens and kind of all in on college football this weekend um but I was keeping an eye on my phone on the on the Manchester United game actually because shout out Peacock they're definitely not going to hear about this but the cock from NBCSN, Arsenal feed wasn't working for like the first 30 minutes of the game. So I found myself watching a bit of United and saw Ronaldo get a a pretty easy tap in for the first goal. Not sure um, about his goal in the 62nd minute, but I know that was the go ahead goal um, as they actually went into halftime or excuse me, Newcastle tied it up at about the 56th minute, but ended up being a relatively easy win um, for the Red Devils who again, you know, looking at the score sheet, Cristiano Ronaldo, too. Bruno Fernandez on there as well. Jesse Jay Lings, Jesse Lingard tacking one on at the end. Um, probably a career highlight for him just getting to play alongside Ronaldo, you'd think. But, um, <laughs> but I'm sure that's the case for a lot of those guys there. So, yeah, not a ton of huge news out of club football from the past weekend. Um, I know... We had Manchester City and Leicester in one of our games of the week last week where we both picked Man City. Um, I think I had them pretty tight winning a 2-1 matchup. I don't know what your score was.
1: Uh, Escapes my mind right now, but I think I had a little bigger margin.
0: Yeah, but either way, Man City get it done, but just a 1-0 win and taking a look at their results through the first few weeks of the season. Kind of struggling – um, offensively, barring a couple of big games against my Gunners and Norwich. But against tougher competition, again, through four games, they've played Spurs week one, beat them 1-0. Um, and then, again, Leicester beat them only 1-0. But five five or four goals, I think, scored against Arsenal and and Norwich in the middle there, um, kind of balancing things out. But just real quickly, I wanted to get, get a take from you. You know, it's only through four games, but I think we're really beginning to see what, you know, how Manchester City's shortcomings in the transfer window are hurting him a little bit, like unable to get Harry Kane. I think they're really missing that goal scorer up front right now.
1: Yeah, they're going to miss Sergio Aguero a lot more than people may have anticipated. Uh, It's also interesting to note the past couple years, they usually get four or five guys in the transfer window, and there's a lot of, uh, I guess, reshaping of the squad year to year. This squad came back this year looking virtually the same apart from uh, the Grealish transfer. So seeing Pep with a squad that you'd think would have a better handle on uh, being with the kind of the same guys overall, it was interesting to see them struggling this much when the chemistry should be there at this point. So I, I don't know what that's going to look like going forwards, but you'd think that that's something that they could hopefully wrinkle out pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, well, and again, in the first few games, they've luckily had teams like Arsenal to uh, bag some goals and hopefully get some confidence going. But – my gunners finally off the uh off the L streak, um, scraping off the bottom of the table, although it took a home meeting with nineteenth Norwich to get it done. But a one zero win. Gotta start gotta start somewhere, gotta crawl before we can walk. Uh but a big win. Um you know, I, I can't believe I'm even calling it a big win, but it is, you know, for for a team in Arsenal who were who were had yet to score a goal in the Premier League, much less win a game, but win at home, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang getting kind of a scrappy goal. I was able to catch most of this game, you know, apart from the first 30 minutes where it was unavailable on the cock. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, not pretty. You know, if Arsenal were in a better spot in the league, I'd honestly be pretty proud of this win because I think it's a real talent for for teams to be able to win ugly. You know, I think the good teams really do that. Um, I mean, you look at Chelsea under – under Tuchel the latter half of the season when he came in like they weren't blowing anybody's doors off scoring but man they played a rock solid defense and they just scrape away one goal wins two one wins two oh wins um but this this result this scoreline I think is less to do with tenacity and scrapiness other than we really should have tacked on more but we're only able to get one past them
1: yeah um I, I know you had a little bit of beef with uh Bleacher Report earlier, you sent me that uh, that post where they basically they, they listed all the big games and then kind of threw Arsenal in there with a little upside down uh, smiley face. <laughs> Thought that was kind of oh yeah,
0: it was like you know top weeks top matchups this weekend and then number nineteen Norwich at number twenty Arsenal. I'm just like okay, but <laughs> you know, and this is one thing I actually was listening to uh, the guys over in the Ars the Ars Blog podcast um, talk about, you know. In like, the banter culture that just exists, you know, especially in the Premier League, but European soccer at large, you know, people just love to hate big clubs. And it's not even, like, like, Bleacher Report, I'm sure the admin doesn't have a personal thing against Arsenal, probably, but he just knows, like, Bleacher Report knows people who are running these accounts, running these pages, running these websites, whatever... They know that some Arsenal slander on their account is going to get Arsenal fans fired up because there's a million of us, you know. Again, like down bad this year for sure, but still one of the biggest clubs in the world in terms of fandom and notoriety and you know numbers, money, how whatever you want to say it. But but it's also a club that people love to just shit on, you know. And when <laughs> you're down, when you're down, people are going to pile on. Like that's just. Um, cause the guys on the arts podcast were actually talking about like the pundits over in England, Jamie Carragher and, and the like doing it. Of course we don't, you know, watch sky sports over here and don't really have access to it, but you know, it's not just, you know, your buddies giving you shit in the bar about arsenal, like major networks and major voices in the game are really piling on arsenal at the moment, which frustrates me to obviously, <laughs> yeah. but, but shut them up at least for a week. Um, with a win, with a win against Norwich. Um, last thing I just kind of want to touch on from the footy weekend. Uh, again, I'm not, never been the biggest Bundesliga expert, but I keep up with it. Leith, I defer to your expertise here. Holland brace in a four, I think it was a four three win um, over Leipzig. All I know is I just saw like a, a a a video of him celebrating, and I think I can't remember who was behind him. Maybe Royce or somebody like the Leipzig fans like throwing beer on the field and stuff, but. I just couldn't get over Holland's, like, God, he looks so scary. Like, when he celebrates, he just, you know, <laughs> like, there's all those funny memes of him, like, basically choking out his teammates when they score, when he scores and the way they celebrate. Like, the video is just him just screaming into the crowd. And he looks absolutely terrifying. But, so, so fill us in. Like, are Dortmund a force this year, or is it too early to tell?
1: Uh, I think it's a little early because, really, you know, they have a lot of young talent, but Holland is, like, the guaranteed center star. I mean, not this isn't anything that people didn't already know, but they rely on him now, I think, almost more than than Bayern have relied on Lewandowski the past couple years. So I I think that that's a guy that a lot of teams going forward, they're going to center their game plan around uh, trying to shut him down, whether they're successful or not remains to be seen. But when you got a guy like that who just draws so much attention to him, it's exciting to see because you've got a chance for those younger guys to kind of go out and ball and, Uh, pick up where he may be slacking where he may be unable to in the future so I think that it's a team that has a lot of talent and the fact that he's there kind of drawing the defenders towards him it's going to be interesting to see how they develop uh, throughout the campaign
0: yeah well
1: Holland off to a
0: good start in the Bundesliga but where he really made his name um, last season was in the Champions League even before he made his move to Dortmund back at RB Salzburg scored like I don't even know how many Champions League goals I'm trying to look it up here real quick but Perfect segue, UCL is back this week, lay A lot of sports kicking off in the past few weeks. You had college football and club football back at the same time. NFL started this week, and Champions League starts tomorrow with match day number one kicking things off. So, I'll real quick run us through each of the groups. Um, obviously, this podcast didn't exist when the draw was announced, so normally that's when we would have done kind of our draw, our, our group preview, but... Um, with the group stage getting kicked off. We'll kind of briefly go through that here. Um, and shout out if you if uh, if you if you smell a group of death, late don't feel free to interrupt me here. But in Group A, Club Bruges, uh, Man City, PSG, and RB Leipzig. Not the easiest group there, but I think RB Leipzig has taken a drop off recently. Otherwise, that may be a lock for the group of death. But then Group B, giving it a run for its money, Milan, Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, and Porto. Then Group C, Ajax, Besiktas, Dortmund, and Sporting. Group D, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Shakhtar, Donetsk, and Sheriff, who I don't know if you kind of kept up with the news around um, this FC Sheriff uh, kind of in their qualifying process for the Champions League, but you know, basically like the smallest team to really ever make it in Champions League, at least in my memory of watching it, from Moldova. Um hmm. You know, I think they beat out you know the likes of like a Dynamo Zagreb, who always kind of end up in the Champions League just because their qualifying route through Central Europe. Just you know, they're not that great, but they're better than all these other teams. Well, we finally got some new blood in the form of of Sheriff. I wonder if that's any similarities to like the the firefighter FC teams you see in the smaller countries yeah. that are like made up of the <laughs> of the firefighters union or something. I don't know <laughs> if these are the sheriffs in Moldova or what, but um, they bring up the rear in Group D. Group E has Barcelona, Bayern, Benfica, and Dynamo Kiev. Barca and Bayern actually leading things off um, this week. That's their first matchup, getting things started with a bang over in Group E. In Group F, Italian uh, super scores. Atalanta, really great offense past couple seasons. Um, in the same group with Manchester United, Villarreal, defending uh, Europa League champions under, under your boy Unai Emery. Um, And then Young Boys rounding that group out in Group G, LOSC Lille with RB Salzburg, Sevilla, and Wolfsburg. And then the final group, Group H, Chelsea, Juventus, Headline, uh, what is a really top heavy group here, followed by Malmo and Zenit. So. Lathe, I hope you've got them in front of you because I doubt you can remember them all based off me saying it. But quick takes, group of death, what do you think?
1: I think the only answer here is got to go B. I like group A. I think there's some competition there. But usually when you think group of death, there's three clubs that come to mind. You look at that group B, there's four clubs that could easily find themselves in one of those two spots. Milan's really coming together. We've already talked about Atletico and their depth last pod. Porto's never a team to look down upon, and Liverpool, obviously. So I think that that's going to be a very competitive group, and I let's just say I'm glad that Bayern is not a part of that one. Well, your, your other team is, though. Uh, yeah. i got a bad <laughs> feeling they might be the ones to find themselves <sighs> in the
0: short end of that one. Because um, you're right, four pretty strong cup, clubs will maybe throw three and a half. I think Porto's a clear at least half step, if not a full step, behind those three. But the fact of the matter is, is one – team who is very used to being in the in the knockout stages is not going to be. I know Milan this is their first you know Champions League appearance in a little bit but historically really strong club and I think finished the year really strong in Serie A and a team to be reckoned with for sure but you know one of those teams is going to be very disappointed and obviously the the you know the better I, th- I forget exactly how it works but I know certain third place finishers in these groups are automatic drop ins to um, the Europa League. I'd, I'd take whoever comes out of this group into the Europa League to be the favorite. Um, once they drop down there for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's the clear cut group of death for sure. Um, you know, cause again, the way I kind of define what makes a group of death is not necessarily how big of a battle is there going to be for that top place? Cause basically every group usually with the exception of city who I swear always ends up with absolutely nobody in their group, but who do they, have? <laughs> they actually got PSG this time. So, yeah. um, But what makes a group of death, you're right, is the fact that that, to to qualify for that second spot, to get that final leg into the knockouts, is going to be a battle. And it's going to be between these three. And I think you're right. I think Porto will probably steal a few points, um, you know, because each of these teams will have to go to Portugal and play them. And I I can't believe they'll, you know, go winless. Um, Maybe at least grab a few draws in there, but who knows. Uh, Other ones I'm excited about, I think, you know... That Atalanta United Villarreal group I think is going to be a bit more interesting than people might think just because, again, Atalanta can absolutely score on anybody. Um, Scored over 100 uh, goals two seasons ago. Um, Have a really strong attacking Force down there, and then Manchester United. Again, we've talked about in this podcast already how strong they are coming into this season, but a little unproven in the Champions League. Mm. You know, bringing Cristiano Ronaldo—that he's certainly a guy who knows what it takes to win one—and he was at Manchester United the last time they did. Um, I think he and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer are actually the only two people at that club <laughs> who were there um, for that win. But you know, again, a little unproven in the Champions League, and then you got a team like Villarreal, who, as much as I hate to give Unai Emery credit, he knows how to play tournament football like again the Europa League king which probably makes me think he's actually eyeballing that third place finish they can drop (laughs) down and just go ahead and get started but um a team you know you can't go into Villarreal just think guaranteed you're going to get a win I think I think they'll surprise some people
1: yeah I agree and another group I kind of want to touch on is group G you know we saw that Lille team actually steal the uh The Farmers League Championship from PSG last year, they still got a lot of those guys around. Obviously, Salzburg is kind of a talent bed. And uh, Sevilla, the king of Europa League, the real king of Europa League, that's going to be – those are three clubs that really are kind of all on the same level for me. So seeing which one of them emerges as the loser in that group is going to be interesting.
0: All right, and again, real quick, we're a big predictions pod, but we got a lot of stuff to get to. But I want to go through – Group finishes here real quick, late so let's start out with Group A. Who you got coming through?
1: Through, I've got first and second spot, City and uh, PSG. Yeah, pretty
0: much no-brainer. No, no love at all for RV Leipzig. You think they make it close?
1: Well, we kind of raided them this summer. As much as I like to defend our transfer business, it's going to be hard to this year that we left them pretty depleted.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm going to flip-flop. I'm going to go PSG-City, but I think mm. they both – they both get through rather comfortably. All right, group B. Again, that GOD, that's the real the real one where I think our predictions may differ here. Tough one to call, but again, I've been I've been high on Atletico Madrid. I was last season and adding Griezmann is no reason to to think they're going to be any worse. I'll take um, think they're gonna have a rougher go at it in the group stages, but they'll go through. I'm gonna go Liverpool one at two. There's just no way I can, you know, I can't take AC milano
1: (laughs) Yeah, and as much as I'd like to put him in there, I think that you're pretty close to what it's gonna be. Although I think I would put Atletico in that number one spot with Liverpool two.
0: All right, so honors even Stevens, Stevens even same Steven even. I don't know where I'm going with that. (laughs) We've got the same picks basically here through the first two groups.
1: Um, take a look at group three, group C, who do you have there? Uh, we saw Besiktas load up some, on some talent this year. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they took that two spot, but I, you know, I like Ajax. I think I'm going to go Dortmund one, Ajax two.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't have near the soft spot for Ajax as you do, but, um, hard to bet against Eric Ten Hag, you know, after seeing what mm. they were able to do in the Champions League a few seasons ago, making it all the way to the semifinal. Um, so yeah, I'll back them there to get out of the group. Group D. I'll start things off. I think, you know, Inter obviously lost a ton of talent in the in the transfer window. I think they still have more than enough to make it out of this group, considering who the bottom two teams in this group are: with Shakhtar Donetsk and Sheriff. But um, I think I'll take I think I'll take Inter to to finish second and Real Madrid first. And you got to remember, Inter and Real Madrid. This is their second straight year sharing. Mm. Uh, sharing a group and Inter did not make the cut in the group stage last time around, but I think they do it this time.
1: Yeah. I think you can make an argument that this is probably the weakest group uh, or at least the easiest to pick who the the front two are going to be. And I agree with you. I think it's spot on with Real first and Inter second.
0: All right. What you think of E?
1: byron yeah, Bayern Munich, I think I'm going to put them number one. we got a tough test at Barca. We can't look beyond that. Everybody, I know the 8-2 to two is fresh on everyone's mind, but you got to be careful here. Um, and I think Barcelona rounds out that second group in the second spot.
0: Yeah, hard to disagree. I'm tempted by Benfica. I really am because, yeah. God, Barca's just in... Again, all the adjectives I used for Arsenal on the last pod really kind of apply to Barcelona too. Um, they're not in a good spot, but it's just you can't pick them to not get out of the group. I just don't think you can do that. Um, then quickly now through group F, G, and H, I'll take United and Atlanta, um, followed by I think I'll do Lille and Sevilla in G, and then H is easy, Chelsea, Juve. But what do you have for those three?
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right on F with United, Atlanta. Um the who did you say for group g i
0: like um leal and sevilla i think i i don't know who i said first when i was going through but i think sevilla wins the group and then leal okay
1: yeah i was going to make that that kind of change so yeah sevilla first leal second sorry salzburg um and then in group h i think it's going to be juventus and then chelsea
0: okay so really our only difference is i think i think chelsea will win that group so going back and looking through it do we have god we have the same exact picks okay so we're dead wrong then there's going to be at yeah. least like four teams that go well,
1: well what'll what happen is we'll, we'll see pick. sheriff in the champions league final that's where we'll mess up
0: okay well obviously impossible to predict the knockout stages because you don't know who's going to get there yet but one thing we used to do on the relegation zone pod is give us lathe um and i'll follow suit afterward your semi-final picks again Obviously, these teams could end up playing each other prior to the semifinals because who knows how the draw is going to shape out. But who are your four strongest chances to make it to make it to those semis?
1: I think that you got to throw PSG in there just because of the window they had and how close they've been in the past. City is a team who's always in there, um, just talent wise. Manchester United, I think, makes the semi this time. I think they are one of the better teams and might even make the final. Um, and then for my fourth team, I'm going to throw in Byron right there just because I don't think there's been too much drop off uh, from the season last year.
0: Yeah. And another thing that Byron always benefits from is being able to really prioritize the UCL. Um, as much as I'm with you on, on city and United, I think they're both really good teams. I think the premier league is just going to be a fight all season long. Mm. And, you know, when he comes down to, to, you know, April, May, March, those months where got a big UCL draw, you know, on the continent on a weekday night, and then you turn around and playing, you know, a rival or another big six club when you're two points off the off the title chase in the Premier League, like you just can't rest players. You know, your 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 squad gets really stretched thin. Now, City probably more than anybody has that depth to make up for that, but I I think they have gotta sign a striker if if any of their real aspirations are gonna come through for them. But I'm with you on PSG. You can't. I mean, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe. All you need to say. Um... They're they're making it that far. Um, gonna back Atletico again because mm. um, I think really La Liga is theirs to lose at this point. I don't I, you know I don't think they're gonna run away with it, but you know, we'll, kind of somewhere in between Bayern and these Premier League giants in terms of how much effort they have to put into the league. Um, so I think they will be able to prioritize some of the UCL as the season moves on. And again, I backed them last year, and they brought in Griezmann. Um, no real reason to jump ship yet. Um, I did have Inter in the semis last time, which that didn't work out. Um, so I'll tell you with Bayern, I think, you know, not a whole lot to explain there with Bayern. Um, and as much as I hate to admit it, I really hope they don't make it this far. But I got to throw in Chelsea. I mean, you really slept on the defending champs, who haven't lost a step. If anything, probably added the hottest striker um, mm. in the world at the moment with Lukaku. That's a really strong side. I don't, I don't see them, I don't see them getting stopped before at least the semis.
1: Yeah, you know, Chelsea's a weird team because it it almost seems like any time you think that they're going to be bad. I remember a few windows ago uh, when they had no talent or they had no core team and we all thought that they would end up maybe even missing out on the top four and they ended up finishing third. And then you go and I don't know, it's just Chelsea's so unpredictable to me. I don't think they go there two years in a row and get it done. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that just about wraps
0: things up here on the international football half of this podcast here, about 30 minutes into it. But real quick, I want to take us through our picks of the week Champions League heavy here, obviously, with that debuting um, this week. But matchups, uh, quick recap of last week, should have tailed us if for you betting minded folks out there, three and O's for um, both of us here. Um, With Bayern, Manchester City, and uh, AC Milan taking care of business for us last week. But this week, Leith, I really could have put two Milan games on here Mm -hmm. um, because they've got a big matchup in the league as well as the UCL when they take on on Juve at the weekend and then midweek play no not host to Liverpool have to travel to Anfield this is going to be a bruiser of a week for your boys in Milan but yeah. we start with Milan at Juve um this weekend I've got a 1-1 draw I think they're going to be a little banged up um maybe a little hangover from from the big UCL match this week but where do you where do you have the uh, battle of the Italian Giants this weekend
1: yeah I think it takes an even bigger toll on them than that and I think that Juve wins this game 2-1 Picking against his own team. i got to respect
0: it, though. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Next up, Chelsea at Spurs. By far and away the biggest match in the Premier League um, this week. Uh, I think it is at Spurs, um, but Chelsea are just too strong, and Spurs
1: are coming off a a bad loss to Crystal Palace. So I'm going to go Chelsea 2-0. Spurs are coming off a bad loss, but they've been playing pretty good good apart from that. I think this ends up in a draw of 2-2 especially being at the uh, the new Spurs field.
0: Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, really clever folks they are over at uh, yeah. <laughs> Spurs. Um, innovative with their names. But anyway, lastly, um, through one Champions League match in here, Real Madrid at Inter, um, how do you see that one going?
1: Uh, I got Real taking this one 2-1. to one. Inter did a lot this summer, but I think that Real, is this is their game, at least this early on in the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, tough to go against it. But again, you mentioned Chelsea as being really unpredictable. So are Real Madrid, man, you just never know when they're going to show mm. up. I mean, they've got the talent. You just don't know if they're if they're going to get off the bus with it. But I've got a two-two draw there. Um, but again, you know, big a pretty damn big first week of UCL football. Just a quick. We won't make any picks, but just to highlight a few this week, your boys Bayern traveling to the new camp to take on Barcelona. Again, mentioned. Um, we're all at Inter and, again, the other half of Milan traveling to Liverpool. So a hot start out of the gate um, in, UCU, in UCL. Excuse me. All right, going to take a quick break for the first time. I think we're probably going to need a break in between the, the football segments here. Um, grab a drink of water, piss, you know, do what you got to do. <laughs> so when we come back, American football on the docket. Welcome back into to the Away Days podcast. International football part one behind us and now to college and NFL big week 2 of college football we we'll start we will start there Laith upset special
1: hmm.
0: I'll just throw it out there number 12 Oregon 35 28 going into the big house taking down number 3 Ohio State 14 point favorites entering that matchup Laith I'll let you have the floor first is this more about Ohio State or is this win more about Oregon
1: You know, neither of us were believers in the duck last pod. Uh, We both went against them, and we also – I think we both thought Ohio State would cover. Uh, I think the story here is, yes, Oregon's defense is legit. They played great even without their best player and a very good linebacker – or defensive end and Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, But Ohio State, to me, you know, the first weekend, they kind of struggled with Minnesota because – and I thought, okay, that Ibrahim guy running back, he's legit – then you come out here and play Oregon, and uh, they, granted, the Oregon running back is good too, but two back-to-back weeks with 100 yards from the running back, that late makes me question that Ohio State defensive line. So I think this is kind of a combo. I think Oregon's pretty good, and I think Ohio State is seeing some growing pains this year. A believer in the Ducks, are you? Hmm. Uh, me, not so much. I'll, I mean, listen, after what
0: the Pac-12 has shown us in the last several years, I mean, what the last time they made the playoff was with Washington and – because what was that? was like the, the second or third year of the playoffs. So we're talking like 2016, seven. Not even, not even 17. Probably 2015 or 16. Um, basically been, you know, it's been the Power Four and a half conferences for the past <laughs> several seasons. Yeah. Um, and I'll I'll believe it when I see it with a Pac 12 team. You know, I'll be, I'll I'll keep doubting doubting the Ducks, doubting USC, doubting Washington, whoever whoever they want to put out as their best. Uh, just not a believer in it yet. I think this is more about really Ohio State you know, just not actually that good this year. I mean, their defense yeah. can't stop a nosebleed. You're right, getting getting run over in the running game by Muhammad Ibrahim, um, who unfortunately was lost to a season-ending ankle mm. injury in that first game. But, yeah, he's pretty good. But no team who actually has title aspirations should be giving up that many points against a Minnesota team. And then this week at home um, basically trailed the entire game against Oregon, you mm. know. Um, and, yes, this Ohio State offense, say what you want about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson – probably the two best wide receivers in the country until Alabama wide receiver to be named in the second half of the season becomes a Heisman contender, which seems to happen just about every year. Um, But yeah, that offense is legit, but you got to, you got a new quarterback at the helm. Who's, who's looking a little lost. And, and again, a defense that can't give him any help. So, you know, I think, and we'll talk about, you know, Michigan and what they did against Washington here in a little bit, but I'm not going to go ahead and say it, but you know, Michigan fans who are looking ahead to that game, this is this is your chance. This is the best chance Michigan has had to to, to get this team um, since Harbaugh's been there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Ohio State has won six, seven in a row in that matchup, and for once, early on in the season, they look they look pretty vulnerable. And you know, I think that opens the door really for a team like number ten Iowa, who went on the road, got a big win in the Cyhawk rivalry um, down in Ames. College Game Day was there. Um, and add another upset mentioned upset specials off the top of the off the top of the segment, but ISU four and a half point favorites at home. Don't really know why, to be honest. You know, because had yeah. a rough week against Northern Iowa week one. Iowa took care of business against a team um, in Indiana led by Michael Penix, who I think people expect to be decent as far as the Big Ten goes. But Iowa goes down there, gets the job done, 27-17, Now ranked inside, I think inside the top five in today's AP poll. Um, hmm. at number five. I may, be, I may be wrong about that, but they definitely moved up from 10. But I don't know if you got a chance to see a whole lot of that late. I obviously was at the Georgia game, but I caught a little bit of it. Four turnovers for for the uh, Cy, not the Cy Hawks, that's the, the, the Cyclones. Yeah. Even though they have a Hawk on their logo though, it's like not just a tornado, <laughs> like they have a bird with it, which gets things yeah. confusing. Um, but yeah, I was right. Iowa at number five. But Again, I kind of put it to you if you know hard to, I mean, I don't know that we learn a ton about Iowa State because you, you turn the ball over four times, you just not gonna win straight up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I mean this is also a game that we kind of we both picked Iowa to win this game and even though the narrative was that oh, this is going to be Iowa State's year to upset them uh, after I think is it five straight losses? I, I don't remember, but Several. yeah 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 either way, it, it was just a team that you're right the turnovers are killer for a good team. I don't think Iowa State is that good of a team, so it was extremely detrimental for them. Yeah,
0: and again, but you know, we we talk about Iowa State, but that basically puts them out of any real, you know, they're all, they're basically the past few seasons have been a perennial dark horse candidate for the playoff. Mm-hmm. It seems like um, people who are trying to act smarter than they are, picking them to to, <laughs> to make it. But last year was an early loss to to ULL. Um, in week one this week, survive week one, and then get beat by what's probably a better football team in the form of their biggest rivals, Iowa. But when talk about Iowa for a second, you know, again, hard to say how much better of a football team they are. You know, some of those turnovers were up to chance. A lot of those were batted balls. Like it'd be one thing if they their defense just absolutely forced all those. But looking at this Iowa team, again, with with Ohio State showing some weakness, Michigan not really scaring anybody, Penn State – who knows we'll we'll figure out pretty soon this weekend as Auburn goes up to Happy Valley in the wideout game. Mm, but yes, sir, does this win for you make Iowa the favorite coming out of the Big 10?
1: I don't know if I'd go with the favorite. I've not seen enough offense from them to be able to warrant that kind of uh, title. Um, I think it makes them someone who can cause trouble in that conference and who teams like Ohio State and Michigan need to watch out for, but I again, I don't th- I don't see them as kind of the toast of that of uh, of that conference.
0: Well, if not them, then who? Because Ohio State's basically in no law. I mean, they can't lose another game um, if, the, if they hope to make the playoff. Um, if, if not Iowa, you think? Are you
1: saying it's still Ohio State? I think so, just from a the conference standpoint if this if this was an ohio state team that struggled and then we look at them down the stretch and they've got some big games up ahead i can't think of too many big games in the big 10 for them apart from that michigan game or this iowa game where they would be liable to slip up on much you know they still have when the offense is clicking it's pretty explosive and the big 12 has proven for years a absolutely fantastic offense can make up for lackluster defense. So I think this is an Ohio state team that is really, really good on the offensive side of the ball. It'll make up for that defense, but again, not good enough to put them in that fourth spot uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. Looking ahead at Ohio State's
0: schedule, take on Tulsa and Akron, then Rutgers in their next three games. Basically the only game down the stretch that they might not be favored in is again, the last regular season game of the year have to travel to the big house, to take on Michigan, but they get Penn state at home um you know michigan stayed at home but purdue nebraska indiana none of those teams i think you're right really do it for me but but looking at iowa on the other hand though who again is on is in the opposite side of of that division i don't think they're called the leaders and legends or whatever like they used to be i think it's just big 10 east big 10 west now but iowa next two or three games kent stayed at home colorado stayed at home then travel to maryland then get penn state at home big one um gonna have to go to Wisconsin that's probably yeah probably the one matchup looking across the board that they might not be favored going into and then they do host Minnesota um later on in the year but again I think if Iowa can get past that Wisconsin game and take care of business at home against Penn State we could be looking at a really big matchup come big 10 title games should Ohio State and Iowa meet up um but that's enough Big Ten football. That's not what we're – you know, we don't get a Georgia and an, uh, and an Auburn guy on a podcast together and talk Big Ten for 20 minutes. Um, so keep it moving with the upset theme. Arkansas taking care of business. Yes, sir, Sam yeah. Pittman getting it done. 40-21 to 21 win against number 15 Texas, who, again, Texas seven-point favorites on the road. Keep this one a little quick, Lath. but, again, kind of a running theme with these upsets. Is this more of, hey, Arkansas is legit? Or is this just same old, same old for Texas? Just classically being overrated.
1: I think this is a, uh, a an Arkansas. T- as much as I'd like to clown Texas, I think this is an Arkansas team that is the real deal, and it's one that I'm a little bit worried on about for Auburn down the stretch. The defense has looked great, um, and the offense really came together tonight with Kendall Bryle, or the other night with Kendall Bryles, kind of running that veer and shoot play. They had a lot. I think it was they had 300 or 400 yards rushing which is just for an arkansas team that's unheard of. So, I think this is a team yeah, that
0: 333.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think this team is a lot better than we've seen uh previous Razorback teams. Yeah. Only 138
0: yards on the ground which I think is going to give them some trouble against the big boys in the conference. Um but you're right, you know, I I'm a huge fan of Sam Pittman a long time. Um Georgia offensive line coach. I think he's a great coach, a really good motivator. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm sure he surrounded himself. I never really thought of him as kind of a schemer, like a Gus Malzahn, yeah. Lane Kiffin, get a guy open kind of kind of coach. But uh, it sounds like he surrounded himself with some guys who know what they're doing. And again, he's got his his players fighting for him, which is which is half the battle, really. But a big win for them. And yeah, you talk about being a little worried about. It. I mean, Georgia gets him at home uh, mm. about midseason. You know, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word worried, but uh, you know. <laughs> Certainly more concerned than preseason. Yeah, I, I didn't expect. I didn't expect this for sure, and neither did did odds makers. Given Texas seven points there, um, and then again round these upsets out real quick. Forty two to twenty eight Stanford going into the Coliseum taking down number fifteen USC. USC that's the, actually the biggest upset of the week. They were seventeen point favorites in that one and losing big outright. Again, not going to waste a ton of time on the Pac twelve. Um, Oregon the clear front runner there, although UCLA. Depending on how much you look into that LSU win, that could be that could be a two-way the two-way battle for that conference going forward. And then lastly, just got to throw it in there because there's a crazy ending. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, um, Jack State, Jacksonville State, uh, uh, college not too far from where we grew up. Uh, little little connections to to northeast Georgia there, but or northwest Georgia I should say. But they get a hail mary win at Florida State, who I guess bruised up after that Notre Dame game. Maybe that was a fluke. You know, no McKenzie Milton magic this time around. And just – did you see that final
1: play, how that went down? I did. It was honestly poor, poor, poor defense. I mean, it wasn't like – you think Hail Mary, you think they throw it up into the uh, the end zone. This man had another 10 yards to go before he even got there. It just – Try 20. Was yeah. it 20? God, yeah. yeah. I,
0: Catches that on about the 20. Two guys there should have been able to make the play. Neither of them do. And that just, in a nutshell – what's going on with the Florida State program right now.
1: Well, you know what I take from this is uh, I think that Notre Dame is a fraud. I'll go ahead and say that right now. They had a close game with Toledo too. We thought, oh, Florida State might be back. Well, obviously that's not the case. So I think you can look at this and really get down on Notre Dame uh, if you're a a Leprechaun fan or whatever. They would be the Fighting Irish. Yeah, yeah. Escaped my mind.
0: (laughs) But that's enough about all these Bush League teams. So let's talk about the real – I mean, outside of Alabama, and obviously, I think I think you, based off two weeks, probably give Georgia the edge. I mean, I think Georgia's been the more impressive team so far. Of course, mm-hmm. we, the Clemson win is, is a huge help, but Georgia hosts UAB, takes care of business, blowout fashion. I don't even... I left it 49 to nothing, so I don't even know. I think we gave up a touchdown late, uh-huh, but I, I was gone. I wasn't there for it. Um, huge win, and then um, Auburn takes care of business, too, and we'll talk about that in a second, but want to share a little bit of my game day experience. Just, just I know last week in the first episode, um, just talked about college football being back. And this was while I did go to the game in Charlotte doing George and Clemson, you know, there's just something, I mean, a neutral side, it's great, but it's not really the same thing, you know, especially yeah. with two huge teams like George and Clemson. It almost gives you pro football vibes a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Plus they sell beer in the stadium, you know, so that's, that's another thing. It's <laughs> like, okay, this is, you know, you see the, the Panther stuff everywhere or whatever. Um, but great to be back in Athens, back in Sanford Stadium um, for a Dogs win. And Georgia, again, heavily favored going into the game, I think 28 points, um, but covered that in the second quarter. Was 28, uh, they scored in their first four drives, and I was, you know, without making this the Georgia pod, because, um, again, if somebody really wants in-depth stuff on that, there's a lot better places they can go than this podcast. But um, started Stetson Bennett um, at quarterback. JT Daniels a little banged up, just no real need to play him. Um, and some people on the f- fucking Twitter are already, like, throwing it back to, oh, this is exactly how Jake Fromm got his start, and they went on to go to another game. <laughs> so I was like, no, but we didn't know what Jake Fromm was then. We Stetson minute I love him, we know what he is. I mean, this is the guy that JT Daniels did knock off the starting spot last year. So, like, yeah, he looked great, but some of these big touchdowns, I could make that throw. Got guys running wide open, which something I've been begging for for Georgia from a long time to kind of run some of that Alabama Ole Miss stuff that gets people wide open. But I, I think that's probably more just UAB than, hmm. than play design. But, uh, curious what, uh, what your perspective was on that from afar. I, if
1: you even watched it, I don't think
0: too many non-Georgia fans did.
1: Hey, don't doubt the mailman. He, he might be legit, but, uh, no, I, I actually, I did not watch the mailman. <laughs> I, I did love not. The yeah. He's really likable dude. It. Um, yeah i didn't i didn't watch this one i pretty much expected that to be the case i think there was another game on that was a little better at the time but yeah I, i think you're right i think part of it is just the fact that it's uab the other part is the todd munkin offense is starting to take form which is scary
0: yeah and biggest takeaway honestly from the game for me again i was we're talking before we hit record uh in in a family friend's seats up in the up in the suite level which was which was pretty awesome uh you can just walk back there and get a chili dog. Get an like It's all free. Servitude is really nice. Um, but So anyway, this is like third quarter again. I'm sitting with my girlfriend and her family. She's been checked out. She checked out at the first kick. But um, <laughs> she she's literally looked over at me and said, like I could go to sleep right now if I wanted to. And I was like, that's okay. Well, um, meanwhile, I'm still like yelling on third downs and stuff is what it is. But anyway, third quarter up huge. And, you know, this is something we've seen in seasons past. I can't remember a particular example, but I've definitely, like, seen it before. You get a TV timeout, um, and so poor DJ up in the booth is trying to keep the fans into it. Starts playing some music, and you see the players dance a little bit. Well, they played Nuck If You Buck in the stadium, which is an undefeated, undefeated (sighs) hype song. Like, if you got some dudes on your team and that song comes on, there's no way. There's no way the boys aren't getting lit to it, and the whole team is basically in a huddle on about the 30-yard line and started jumping up and down and dancing. And then this one dude, I wish I could find a video of it, because I don't... I, I think I was almost positive the game was in commercial at this point. But some big old E-lineman for Georgia starts doing this, like, shuffle dance. I know I'm, I'm trying to, like, show it. Obviously, so it's not <laughs> a visual medium here. But it's like, if you can imagine, like, the kind of 70s dance where your knees like go in and out really fast and you're like back and forth i don't know i can't describe it, it was hilarious They like put them <laughs> up on the jumbotron and everybody's getting so high it was it was awesome like that's a subtle thing that i didn't really know i missed about being back at football games that i really did
1: yeah yeah i feel that
0: hmm. well was giving you the the window there to bring up auburn but there's no real reason to uh no, well- play akron
1: yeah. Hey, well I'll talk about it. If you give me the opportunity, I'll rant. Listen, uh, listen,
0: like open air is your chance, and I gotta give my throat a rest here.
1: Hey man, I'm the Auburn game, I am excited watching this team. I know it's two cupcake games, so you gotta you gotta take it with a grain of salt. But I've said it last pod. In the That's past a dang shaker. Okay. Uh, I said in the pa- or in the past, Auburn has not struggled, but we haven't dominated these teams, taking care of the business the way we should against these caliber teams, and when you we scored 126 points in two games compared to only giving up 10. That's the way it should be, and now am I saying that this is an indication of how good we are in the season? No. I think it is an indication of where the, the new staff is at compared to last year. Uh, I guess there's a new type of intensity and a new kind of focus around the team, and I think that's something if you're an Auburn fan, it's easy to get excited for. Got our first real test this weekend uh heading to Penn State, which I will be in attendance for for the wideout game. I'm extremely excited about that. But I, I think this is I, I don't I, I don't like predicting Auburn games, but I would keep an eye on this one if you get a chance to. I think it could be pretty good.
0: Alright, well save save your prediction for the end. We we got that segment, but I was I was gonna bring it up. You're talking about not really knowing what you got. This'll this'll be a big, you know, Bring it if you got it, game for them. You're going to find out a lot about this. on Both teams, I think. Penn State, um, you know, getting a win at Wisconsin week one, but again, who really knows how good that Wisconsin Badgers team is um, in week one? But this will be a put up or shut up game for sure, and I'm excited to watch it. I know I kind of talked about maybe trying to get a ticket with you, but man, those things are expensive. Yeah, like yeah. looking at looking at StubHub, who again will just cut your freaking balls off with fees. <laughs> it was like it was like 250 before fees. So you know, you're going to pay over 300. um and you know whiteout game is on my bucket list i'm psyched for you that you're getting to go um definitely can't wait to hear you uh hear you tell me all about it and what it was like um, because that's again for a penn state team that hadn't really been at the top of the game in a while they still bring you know not every week but that whiteout game is one of the best atmospheres in college football when they got when they got beaver stadium rocking so uh so excited for that one but um how long is that? Would you fly and you drive? Like, cause I remember when last we talked about, it, you didn't even have a place to stay. So give it, what, what are we doing here? Give us an update.
1: Uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird, I'm going to be driving, uh, which is going to be brutal. We're going to cut the trip into two days because my sister lives at Virginia tech. She goes to school there. So we'll cut it. It'll be about six hour drive Thursday, about six to second day. Um, really it's six hours between Virginia tech and wherever Penn state is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a haul, but, uh, i don't screw it I at feel this like point virginia and pennsylvania are close i mean I, I'm, I'm not saying you're lying but that's shocking to me i mean i'm i may be wrong but the last i checked i, I was looking at the logistics and it's gonna be uh, a trek but yeah we're actually staying it's kind of a funny story one of my friends their pastor's mom lives at penn state we were gonna rent a hotel this lady's keep in mind she's like 85 and we were kind of asking oh is there anybody we could stay with and she said, "Well, y'all can just stay with me. So we are going to go stay for free at an 85-year-old woman's house on the outskirts of Penn State. Which Baby. I, hey, you got to do what you got to do. I've have seen I've seen that story before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. Yeah, yeah. Pastor's wife. Keep keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen. Hey, you teach an old dog do tricks.
0: Don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But um. But that's, that's good for you. When I was looking into the tickets too, I actually have a, a kind of weird connection to Happy Valley 2, a, a roommate's ex-girlfriend's cousin who I, th- I think I know maybe well enough to have stayed with if I wanted to go do it. But just not worth it for me. I think I may I may find myself back in Athens for the South Carolina game. Um, mm. But we'll see. But certainly I will definitely be watching um, y'all's game for sure. But before, before we get out of here and have a big weekend of football to look forward to, big weekend behind us in the nfl week one um you know long summer getting excited for nfl man i miss fantasy football i missed i missed the seven hours of commercial free football the are <laughs> golly man i'm getting excited just me saying it to myself but that's basically all i did sunday driving back from athens had it on in the car um Gotta love, gotta love a NFL illegal NFL red zone stream. Shout out to the people on the internet. Y'all are doing, y'all are doing God's work, man. That's <laughs> that's clutch. Um, but anyway, want to run a quick through week one reactions slash overreactions. Not sure how much of the games you got to watch, late, But Green Bay getting their cheeks clapped by blind Jameis. I guess no longer blind, Jameis, yeah. Basic Jameis. Yeah. Um, so real quick, you know. Again, kind of a similar theme to these upsets we saw in college football, but is this more about Saints? Hey, Jameis is that good, or is Rodgers, his new mullet, or not even mullet, new ponytail Rodgers, is he, is he
1: <laughs> he's kind of behind it? Uh, yeah, Rodgers is kind of rocking that uh, sleazy mafia man look. But uh, I, I think, it's a, once again, this is kind of a cop-out, but I think it is a combination of both scenarios. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you heard Drew Brees kind of made a joke about how all the Saints were really missing was that deep ball that, uh, that Jameis provides. And he looked really good in his first start. But I think a lot of this just goes back to how dysfunctional this um, this Packers team is. It just didn't seem like Rogers was on the same page. I know he missed a lot of camp. With uh, the kind of holdouts and the contract talks and what that situation was. No need to go back into that. Everybody knows that by now. I just think there's a lot of things that they got to figure out going and that they didn't figure out can camp because there were other concerns, other focuses. So I think it's, I don't want to say this was kind of a, a, a spoof game, but I think they'll bounce back in the next coming weeks once they get that figured out. Interesting stat.
0: Uh, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, four and four um, in, in road games down in Florida, like not, not nearly as dominant as we're used to seeing him. Um, I can remember him, him and the Packers getting blown out by the Rams or not the Rams, excuse me, the Buccaneers about pr- relatively early in the season last year. Um, so this is kind of a similar thing. Cause again, this game was played in Jacksonville, uh, with hurricane Ida forcing the saints out of their, out of their home over in new Orleans. But, um, but yeah Saints look Saints look good and nobody else in that division other than the Bucs really does god yeah. horrible Falcons loss we won't waste any airtime talking about them <laughs> but Panthers under Sam Darnold squeaking by the Jets and probably the if it weren't for the fact that that was a new debut for bo- both quarterbacks I don't even think that you know mothers of the players would watch that game Jets at Panthers but um, <laughs> big, big one uh big one going on last night though Monday night Rams hosting the Bears first first uh packed house in that new LA stadium. ex for SoFi Stadium, I think is what it is. Um, I don't know. Did you watch any of that?
1: Oh, yeah. I watched the whole thing. They're looking scary. Looking real scary. I tell you, they look good, too. I mean, like, the
0: the the whole color combos, yeah. the end zones, the, the way the end zones look, that, looked, yeah. that was a good look. Like, shout out to the, to the you know, graphic designer for the Rams. Although the midfield logo, because it's kind of uh, yeah. whatever. But, um Looked good. They felt good. They played really good. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think everything they hoped they would be, at least in week one. Again, don't want to pat themselves on the two-back too too hard for, for beating a Bears team quarterback by Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they looked dirty. Had had the kid, uh, Darryl Henderson, on the fantasy team. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty nice for him to get. I think he got, like, somewhere in the teens with very few carries. It was nice to see uh, – He basically got every single snap at running back. I think Sonny Michel only came in a couple times. Granted, He's recently traded, probably going to work him in slowly. But big wins for the Rams. And then I'll let you go first here, given my subtle but evident Browns fandom. Chiefs and Mahomes doing Chiefs and Mahomes things to the Browns. What would you make of that win for for them in week one?
1: You know, Browns looked good. It was a lot closer. I think on the podcast last week I said that it was going to be a 10-point dub for the Chiefs. Uh, Brown's really made him work for it. It's just obvious how loaded this offense is. And kind of an unimportant note: Did you see the uh, the brownie the elf on the coach's uh, hats? The logo. Yeah, uh, I liked him bringing that back. I'm not a big fan of the brown dog. I like the elves. I think that uniqueness needs to be there. But yeah, the, this was a close game. That both teams looked really good. Um, I don't know. This I think that's going to be. This is going to be a, a fight for for. Um, for that division going forward, I think the Browns are really, really good. A lot better than I had anticipated. Well, for the conference anyway. This yeah, is sorry. An, a uh, a
0: rematch of of playoff matchup last uh, last year, and again a really similar game, honestly, to, to last year's. Browns really come out strong, but just unable to outlast that Kansas City offense. And not too many people, too many people can. Um, and then one last thing to kind of note, uh, again, actually a ton went on. We could probably go on and on and on um, about this NFL weekend, but we've, you know, coming up on an hour here, want to get out of here and make sure we catch the uh, the first half of that Monday night football game coming up in just a bit. But a tough weekend um, for rookie QBs across the board. Um, for the starters, and uh, 3 and if you throw in Justin Fields, who it didn't, again did see some time, if you throw him in that as well, 0-4, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence going over to the Houston Texans again. That's not a great Texans team, I don't think. Um, but dude threw for like he threw I think like 50, 50 attempts uh, hmm. for the rookie out of Clemson, and they get beat relatively easily by the Texans. Then Zach Wilson in his debut um, going up against former Jet Sam Darnold. Um, Panthers taking care of business there, and then uh, who am I forgetting? Oh yeah, Mac Jones up in New England. Really, they did have a good chance to win that game and couldn't get it done. But I think as of yet, maybe later in the season, if, if Mac Jones really improves it, I think as of right now, I think the Patriots are the third best team in that division behind the Bills and the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are just – I think Tua made some strides in week two. But what did you uh, – what did, did you get to see any of Mac Jones and how, or how any of these guys looked in week one?
1: I went back and watched a few highlights. I didn't get to catch that game. I think Mac is – Mac's just in the best spot. You know, he's got newfound talent surrounding him. He's with an extremely stable coaching staff. So he's the most set up, I think, to succeed out of all these young QBs. Um, I think you're right about Tua. I think he looked a lot better than he did last year, but I don't think that Dolphins team is really anything special, at least yet. Yeah, and I
0: agree with you about Mike Jones. He's probably, of all these starters, the only guy who his team doesn't need him to play well to win necessarily um, Damian Harris had a really great game in his first game for the Patriots as a as basically the unquestioned starting running back went over 100 yards Patriots still play pretty good defense you know they'll win some games with Mac Jones throwing for a buck 75 and a touchdown without turning the ball over, you know, but looking at this Jags team, again, showcased in how many times they threw the ball, 50 attempts, 50 plus attempts for Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to win if he doesn't throw touchdowns. And same thing with the Jets. They just don't have enough on offense. Um, You know, Corey Davis being really their best skill player. Um, They don't, they don't have enough to, to succeed without without Zach Wilson really spreading the ball out well, but before we get out of here, and I've probably said God, I think I've said I've said before we get out of here at least like three times already, and God, it's <laughs> one of those being like twenty minutes ago. Um, want to talk a little bit of fantasy, seeing as we are in the same league. I honestly have no idea how you did, but in our league that we share, which again, not trying to be that guy, but not not my most you know invested league. But okay, I set my lineup, you know, obviously trying to win. Um, didn't do too hot. Uh, Brandon Ayuk. Um, basically not playing. I think he picked up an, an, a little injury and basically didn't see the field at all. A goose egg for him hurt me pretty bad. But how'd you shake out?
1: Uh, I, I did pretty fair. Uh, I had a little bit of a letdown with the Bills game, kind of shook my team a little bit. But I'm still in this thing. I've got to ask, I need 20 points from Waller and the Raiders kicker combined, which is attainable, but it's no sure thing. So I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how this game goes tonight. That'll determine my outcome. So big
0: Raiders fan tonight then. Oh, yeah. Uh, not not quite a Monday Night Miracle. You're right. I mean, Waller in theory could go and get 20 on his own. Right. Um, but I think I think you're right. Like if if the Raiders get blown out, I don't think you're you're getting that. You definitely need yeah need that offense anyway to hold up. And I I think you'll be all right if I had to if I had to bet. Um, but in my other league, again, one where I've got a bit more skin in the game, a little money on the line as well. Um, pretty big win for me. Um, had Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson. Those double points never hurt. Um, despite kind of a kind of a dud for uh, for Austin Eckler in Week One, a touchdown saved him from having a really bad week. But that's one thing I kind of wanted to talk about fantasy in general. Because again, for somebody who talks about their own fantasy team all the time, I say also all the time that nobody cares about my fantasy team. <laughs> so the little fantasy just stuff in general that people may actually have some interest in. Um, pretty pretty bad week for a lot of first round backs. Like if you were somebody who went chalk. You know, in the in the first few picks of the first round, if you had that pick in your draft, you probably got burned pretty bad here in week one. Derrick Henry only getting ten point seven in PPR in full point PPR leagues. Um, Saquon really landing egg only three point seven. Again, I mentioned Eckler, you know, eking out with eleven, which is again in PPR, especially for a guy like him, not great. Didn't catch a pass actually. Yeah. Um, if you'd have told me going into my fantasy matchup with Eckler that he doesn't catch a pass, I would not. I feel confident about that week. But um, Ezekiel Elliott, who on Thursday really got handled by that Tampa Bay defense, only scoring 5.9. And then Aaron Jones, who, again, don't think you have to worry too much about that. He's just got caught up in what was an awful game um, for the Packers.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it it is concerning, especially when you got a guy like Eckler who really the main reason reason they're valued so high in these PPR leagues is because of that pass-catching ability. He would otherwise be a pretty average back. Um, so, yeah, the, kind of the low uh, running back volume there is a little bit of, cons- of a concern, but I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing.
0: Yeah, let's, I certainly hope not for sure. But while my fantasy team, hot and cold, won one, lost one, had a good week on the sports book last week, picked some winners, and you and I both <laughs> did all right here on our show picks last week, and let's go ahead and get to that um right now start with college football three top games as we do every week big one in the sec i don't you know i haven't looked at the actual game time schedule but i gotta believe this is the prime time 330 sec on cbs number one alabama traveling to number 11 florida lathe give us a pick
1: Uh, i think bama handles this one relatively easily you know there's some quarterback controversy in that florida um, locker rooms, so I, I think that they're not in a spot where they can compete too well at the moment, and Bama takes it pretty easily. You got a score? I'll go 38-14.
0: 38-14, yeah. Florida, looking like the second-best team in the East, but that's not saying a whole lot at this point. I'm with you. I think Bama rolls. Has I really, I don't know yet with this Bama defense. I actually haven't been able to watch even a single snap from Alabama, but I'll – Let's just throw out. I think they score big. I'll say forty-two seventeen. Hmm. All right. Next up, the game you'll be at. I'll understand if you're Kirk Herbstreet Street and don't yeah. wanna, can't pick a game that you're that you're there for. But number twenty-two Auburn on the road at Penn State. Aforementioned out game. I think game day is going to be there, right? Yeah, it is. It is. So um, huge matchup for Auburn. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. I think. I really I'll be honest with you, I don't know what to make of this one. I don't even know what the spread is. Um it'd be in this early in the week. I gotta imagine Penn State's probably slight favorites. Um Yeah. They're a touchdown favorite on the line. Ooh, touchdown a touchdown's kind of a lot. Yeah. I'll say. Um it's Bo Nick still under center for Auburn, I'm assuming. He is. Yeah, I don't have confidence in that guy. And I'll take <laughs> I was Penn waiting State for that but they're not gonna cover. <laughs> I'll take Penn State in a close one. I'll say 27 24 to the Nittany Lions.
1: All right. Yeah. I'm going to pull a Herbie on that one, but I would say two unproven offenses. Defense is going to be a crucial for that game. Oh, wow. Well, actually, pulling the Herbie. I thought, okay, you can't do that. There's, there's only three picks. You got to have a pick here. Later. Uh, okay. I'll go with my team. I think we get the, do- the job done. 31 uh, 24.
0: 31, 24. 24, a popular number here for the first couple picks. Hmm. All right, and then lastly in college, um, late night Pac-12 slash, I guess, Big 12 now that BYU's caught the invite. Number 19, Arizona State at number 23, BYU, coming off a big win in the Holy War last week. Um, Who you got there?
1: I think it's a shootout, and I think that BYU comes out on top 45 to 38. Yeah, I –
0: don't know really anything about either of these teams. Haven't watched a whole lot of Pac-12 other than Oregon. Just to be different, I think I'll take Arizona State. Slightly lower scoring. I'll say more normal score. 28 to 21 there for the Sun Devils. Um, Provo is a tough place to go and play, though. BYU's got a, got a good home crowd. That might give them a pretty, pretty solid advantage. All right, and then lastly, in the NFL... Um, Go a little bit quicker here because I've already made my picks. Chiefs at Ravens. Again, this has been basically the biggest rivalry in the AFC over the past three years between Lamar and Patrick Mahomes. Um, again, i got to do better to get the spreads nailed down so that we can have that in these picks. Uh, but, again, Monday is a little, even for somebody like me, a little early to be thinking about the game. I usually usually let that get to about Thursday. But Chiefs at Ravens. I like the Chiefs again, 38-27. I got the Chiefs 31-21. All right, next up, Titans at Seahawks. Seahawks looked really good week one, um, going to a Colts team that, granted, struggling on offense, but you know with Darius Leonard and those guys, one of the strongest defenses in the NFL, um, looked good. But Titans getting kind of upended by the Cardinals. Who knows if the Cardinals are actually that good, but a tough loss for them. Um, who you got there?
1: I got Seahawks. Seahawks looked really impressive. 38-24 is my pick.
0: Thirty-eight twenty-four to the Hawks. I'm with you. I like Danger Russ and the boys. I got to. I need. I need the double points. Lockett and Russell Wilson for the fantasy <laughs> team. So I can't pick against them. I like the Seahawks too, but close. Twenty-eight twenty-four again. That Titans team. People forget playoff team past two seasons. That's that's a good squad they got down in Nashville. And then lastly, Bills at Dolphins. Bills feeling a big win for them. Got embarrassed in Week One against the Steelers team that they were heavily favored against. Dolphins coming off a one they had to fight for in New England. Um, I think the Bills go down there and do it to them 24-16. to 16.
1: Yeah, I think this is a big bounce-back week for the Bills, with offense being the story. I'm going to go 42-23. Ooh, blowout fashion for the Bills. All right,
0: I like it. Um, so our only difference – really, no difference. I think the only difference in any of the picks is just uh, – okay, we've got Penn State and Arizona State, so that'll be, that'll be the tiebreakers. We are both um, – Tied all across the board. Three and zero in soccer. Two and one in college football. And one and two for both of us in the NFL. Hopefully that's a that's a turnaround. All right. Well, we're over an hour into it. Um, time to get something on the on the grill. in time for Monday Night Football. But uh, join us again next week. Thanks for uh, for checking it out in week two. Uh, again, hopefully we're getting better. But who knows? Maybe we'll get worse. Catch you on the next. one